Hello, everyone. This is Adam West. Uh, maybe you're thrilled to buy adventures, right, on Batman there? Hmm? Not my secret true identity, Bruce Wayne, millionaire philanthropist. Anyway, I'm glad to talk to you all and have the privilege of doing the following. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay, okay. The card is just made suicide. Shut up, man. I have an idea now. First name, Mr. Middle name, period. Last name, Gene. I just hope this man realizes that being able to communicate with people all over the world carries a serious responsibility. Come on, baby. Show the man your power. 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 Show This is harassment. And frankly, it's still a little, uh, arty-farty. Hey, it's me, Chris T. This is Aerial View on thehoundnyc.com. This Aerial View, art makes you smart. We're going to focus in on a local arts organization that Sweet Tea discovered about five years ago. It's called Guttenberg Arts. They're in Guttenberg, New Jersey. And they're at guttenbergarts.org. They... 
allow artists to express themselves, something I really love, especially visual artists, um, by giving them this big old space, 4,500 square foot facility dedicated to the visual arts, uh, including printmaking and ceramics. They support uh, different kinds of residencies, mentorship classes. You can rent space there. It's a beautiful building full of beautiful people. And the first beautiful person we're going to talk to on this show is one of the founders of Guttenberg Arts, namely Matt Bartolouse. A little later on, we'll talk with one of the artists that was in residency at this opening where I recorded all this stuff, Charles Luce. Further on, another founder of Guttenberg Arts, Russ Spadovsky and uh, Jeremy Coleman-Smith. Those are all be here tonight on this particular aerial view called Art Makes You Smart. Here's Matt Bartolouse of Guttenberg Arts. So let me ask you a few questions. Uh, so tell us who you are and where we are. Hi, so I'm Matt Bartolouse. I'm the director of Guttenberg Arts, which is where you are right now, a 4,500 square foot facility for the visual arts. And uh, tonight we're doing a opening reception for Made Here which is the end of our winter residency. We do uh, three-month residencies where we invite uh, three to four artists uh, for a three-month uh, uh, time here to create new bodies of work, uh, use our print shop, our ceramics facilities, and uh, in return they teach free community uh, workshops and give artist talks, which we'll be having in two weeks. And, and just it's a, it's a real great opportunity to bring creative thinkers from all over the world to our little neck of the woods in northern Hudson County. Um, like for instance, we got uh, Cecilia Jensen who came here all the way from Sweden. Um, Robert Latch who's coming from uh, West Orange. Uh, Jorge Wasele who uh, is uh, Cuban born but lives uh, a few blocks from here. And uh, Charles Luce who's from uh, Manhattan and was our keyholder resident so he had two two runs uh, and i can just keep talking i can i can talk you are really a self-starter you're what we call a self-starter i don't need to do anything so that's good that's good well let me uh you know pretend that you and i don't know each other and and i don't know anything about this place and i'll ask you how you found yourself in guttenberg why guttenberg well, uh, my family was originally from here. My mother grew up um, a few blocks on 68th Street. We're on 70th Street here, and she was a ceramic artist and uh, had a little shop back in the 60s, uh, making you know vases and everything from vases to like you know pipes. Um, and that's sort of like the connection to this community in general like I was I lived up in Bergen County but we used to always come down here uh, do shopping and all that kind of stuff uh, but I always knew that there was a community of artists kind of living here to begin with and uh, long story short I was an artist uh, did advertising for uh, about five years or so and uh, met up with my buddy Russ in a master's program about ten years ago where we started a magazine publication and just basically the stars aligned where this publication was a venue to showcase artwork uh, and, and short stories, fiction, flash fiction, and an un unrestricted um, fa fashion, you know. What's we're, the publication? Uh, Carrier Pigeon. And uh, you might be familiar with it. It's been out for about 10 years or so. Uh, all artists run. Um, so it's, you know, total creative control goes to the designers and everybody involved. We don't art direct or anything like that. And over the course of the 10 years, there was a conversation that kept on coming up with artists who got the opportunity to showcase work in our publication was that they didn't have the proper space or time to create meaningful bodies of work. So that sort of, our mission went moved from just like showcasing art in a publication, uh, like kind of like a really fancy zine, um, to how do we really um, help support, you know, um, career artists, you know, artists who, how do we make, uh, you know, opportunities to, for sustainable careers in the arts. And it also... So a physical space was physical, part of that? Yeah. So a physical space, you know, we all got our start at the Blackburn Printmaking Studio up on 39th Street in Manhattan, and it's a crammed little tiny spot, um, and we had hosted a lot of meetings and stuff in the back stairwells, stuff like that. And um, like I said, the opportunities sort of, um, all the stars aligned. 
my father at the time has always been a big supporter of the arts and then my career in the arts as well um, uh, retired from his sold his sold his architecture practice um, and uh, promised my mother I think like 40 years ago that once he retired he would get her ceramic studio he would he would get her shop back up and running because she basically closed her shop to raise the family so uh, we're all adults now and and he saw like I said that our our um, you know missions sort of aligning like he was kind of shopping around for a space for a uh, studio for Sarah and I was shopping around for a space for my print shop and we figured why not combine forces go after a 501c3 nonprofit status so we can truly give back to the community and uh, five years later here we are uh, going strong I think there's about I don't know over 50 people kind of through the door. So a good turnout here tonight. Yeah, very good turnout. Um, and we've uh, any new faces here tonight? A lot of uh, some, a lot of a lot of familiar faces, which is good. And it's always a struggle for me as a director to be like, I know your face, but I gotta like roll through my head of what your name is. Um, but I've been good tonight. I have a rule that if I strike out three times, I just stop talking. If I get the names wrong three times, and. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, wait till Russ gets a load of this. <laughs> Um, so oh, he's gonna uh, he's gonna be next. next. Don't worry about it. He's getting sloppy seconds. <laughs> That's right. Get the origin story. So five years on, how do you think things are going? Good, good, very good. We've we've had over 50 artists come through the residency program. We've had a lot of support from the the town of Guttenberg. Um, I got the the mayor might be walking through the door any minute. Uh, council members love the fact that here we are, kind of putting Guttenberg on the map, which is the tiniest town and the most densely populated municipality in the whole country. Which um, for us, in terms of our mission and, and grant writing and stuff, it really kind of sounds really good that. Um, that we're here kind of facilitating art and culture. Trying to be a community yeah. art center as well. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know, Russ and I and all of us, we all live in the community too. So it's not like we're commuting here from other places to work here. Like we live, we, we work and live the same thing. Like I'm raising my family here. There she is. I can't help it when my... How dare look, you pay I attention to your daughter. family? Once <laughs> um, she's crying. Da, da. Anyway, so um, so yeah, everything sort of aligned. We found this this building uh, back in 2000. I want to say the end of 2012, and it was a dental foundry uh, owned by a woman who uh, was inherited the business of making dentures and crown moldings from her father, and was absolutely sick of the business. So. She sold it to us for pennies on the dollar, and, um, and during that time we went for the nonprofit status, got some consulting on the you know the right proper ways of running a nonprofit because it was all new to me. I was an I was an art director in advertising and just running a zine at the time. So um, the shift there was was like a crash course. Um, but like I said, five years later, I feel like you know I feel pretty confident in um, in what we're doing here and what would you like to see five years from now five years from now I would like to see you know um, more galleries opening up in the neighborhood um, just uh, more cultivation of, of the arts uh, having more artists kind of move into this area because it really is a hidden gem of a place um, as, as you know uh, living in the area too um, everything from from the view of Manhattan to the a easy access you know 20 minute bus ride into the into the heart of the city um, the, the you know the, the, the cheap rents basically you know the, the delicious food in the neighborhood like everything's really authentic you know that's one thing that I've noticed like kind of growing up here my whole life and being in the city that the city is like it's like it's like Disney World now in, in a way where that authentic oh you mean Manhattan yeah, like yeah. Manhattan, have you been to you know, Hudson like New York even, even even like yeah even like Brooklyn too at this point has been getting a little like whitewashed and not in like a racial sense but just in terms of like corporations and condos and stuff like that where those little mom and pop shops are are kind of disappearing and those like those old school New Yorkers who have like these really rich stories and stuff they're they're not going anywhere here. They're they're here to stay, you know. So yeah, and everyone's decamping to like the Catskills, but they could yeah. decamp to Guttenberg. Guttenberg, yeah. Like uh, I won't tell tell you his name, but we had a we had a philanthropist come in from Manhattan uh, a couple months ago, and lived in New York his whole life, made a, made a fortune in Manhattan, and never came to New, never saw the skyline from New Jersey. 
Like when we took him here, he was, he like swelled up in tears, like seeing like the sunset like reflect off the off the skyline, going like, how did I how did I miss this my entire life? I'm like, I don't know, it's it's been here the whole the whole time, you know. Well, do you find that you have to work against a sort of a anti New Jersey bias in any way? Are are there people I, who are I, like I, Guttenberg? Why would yeah, I go there? We use it to our advantage, you know. It's sort of like the, the like that's when you know like whether or not like you want the people here or not, you know. When they when they kind of like you know, curl away or whatever. You go, hey, you know, I don't know if you're if it's, if it's worthy for you. But when you get the people who are interested and intrigued in the in the in the in the pilgrimage to come to New Jersey from Manhattan, like take the take the bus, you know, the 166 or one of the like gypsy buses over here, and then see that it's just this. It's the same architecture. It's the same. I mean, the park up the street was designed by Homestead, who designed uh, Central Park. So it looks like it's like a little mini Central Park, like a walking distance from the. Uh, uh, from the studio here. Is that so. Braddock Park? That's Braddock doing? Park, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about. Um, and after James Braddock, yeah. the boxer. The boxer, yeah. A lot How of many them. parks are named after boxers? Probably not a lot. Not a lot. No, there's there's that one, and then I'm, there's, I assume there's got to be like a Muhammad Ali Park somewhere. Yeah, in Louisville probably. There's probably, there's probably one in Louisville. Yeah, I have no right? doubt. Yeah. Well, um, so tonight you, you're doing a, a, there's an exhibit going on. We've yeah. got some food out here. There's some beverages. People are mingling. Do you want, ho hopefully, folks to discover this place and say, I want to be part of this. I want to sign up. I want to become a member. I want to come down here and do art. Is yeah. that what you want? Yeah, that's what we want. That's really what we want. Um, you, that's that's basically it. It's a pretty simple simple mission, you know. I th we feel that like art and, uh, art drives culture forward. You know, it's what kind of connects us uh, to each other. It's sort of like this unspoken language that we all can speak. You know, which is why it's really incredible when you get artists from you know three points in the, of the globe here for three months. Um, kind of developing work and then just cramming it, cramming it into a little 15 by 15 square box and seeing how well it all gels together and and um, and then the stories, you know, like that. It's, it's so much fun coming to work here every day, seeing new bodies of work getting uh, created, seeing the hearing the conversations that that happen uh, during that process. Uh, the people that just kind of walk in the door, just looking to um, know what the hell we are, you know. And, and what excites me, too, is that cross-pollination leads to people thinking about things in new ways, whether it's how to produce a piece of art or, uh, you know, thinking of a technique that they might not have yeah, thought yeah. of previously. Yeah, and there's, it's cool, too, the fact that, you know, Russ and I coming from a printmaking background and having the ceramic studio there as well. What are you doing? I'm sorry. That's okay. Come on in. This is Dan, the executive director. It's very scary, this thing. It's <laughs> you want to join? You want to join in? Some more in the fridge, actually. We were just getting the origin story. Um, but there's a there's a uh, like a common like a brotherhood between ceramic shops and print shops where you know not everybody has you know an acid room a giant you know 30 by 60 press in their in their in their garage or studio where they can access these sort of uh, facilities and same with like having a ceramic studio kiln wheel slab roller all these things bring artists uh, uh, together so uh, the residency program is just one one you know column of what we're doing here there's you know just renters here from all over the neighborhood that um, use our use our facilities to print uh, their editions or you know fire their work you know they they'll uh, actually this last couple of months has been really kicked up where um, there's been a lot of ceramic artists coming out of the woodworks uh, working in their own um, studios in their house or the basements or wherever and then firing their work here and then you know getting more involved once they realize that they can fire that they can take classes here we have exhibitions here so um, it's really you know it's really kind of cool well tell people uh, where you are and how they can find you online so yeah we're at uh, guttenbergarts.org if you uh, google Guttenberg we're, we're probably on the same page as Steve Gutenberg who who I always tag and, and all of I, I put him on our mailing list. I'm determined to get him down here for an event. Get him down here. Yeah, you interviewed him. In yes, the past, so I did. Yeah. We did. A, I should be wearing my Steve Gutenberg Arts T-shirt that we had. I have uh, a signed <laughs> copy of his autobiography at home. So yeah, that's that's, Believe that's, it or that's not. our ten-year plan right there is to get Steve Gutenberg on the board. But uh, long story short, yeah, uh, GuttenbergArts.org. Uh, 
Um, you could do artistic services. We do, um, you know, firings. You can do rent hours here. Uh, we have an open call right now. And, and what kind of printing? Let's say, uh, oh, tell sorry, folks so what kind of printing got, goes on here. We got uh, two Charles Brand etching presses, a uh, Praga etching press. We have uh, a Fuchs and Lang uh, litho press from like the late 1800s, a Rembrandt uh, elephant litho press which I think they're based out of Jersey, but it's another old, I think it was being used as a bookshelf in another studio, so they were like, do you need a press? And we said yes. And then we got a ton of silkscreen uh, equipment, um, some new vacuum tables, we got two vacuum tables, uh, four color um, uh, t-shirt, I don't, I don't even know, Riley Hopkins is the, uh, is the brand. Uh, for silk screening. For silk screening, yeah, which uh, you've taken a couple classes on. I'm wearing one of my silkscreen shirts. There I think. you go. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. Um, and so yeah, that's that's the silk. That's the uh, printing uh, side of it. And then, like I said, we have three ceramic wheels, uh, three kilns, one digital, two manual, a uh, big old slab roller, and um, a dark room that we use mostly for silkscreen. Um, and it doubles also as the chemical room. So we do all the the nasty nitric acids and all that stuff, ferric acid for the for the etching. We keep that down in the basement, so when we have parties like this, the, you know, the kids that are running around here aren't just like not playing with the chemicals. Yeah, that would make a great party. Are you kidding me? We should also point out too. I think Matt, one of the things we haven't mentioned is uh, the conversion your dad did of this space, no, yeah. right? It's, uh, he was or like, should I get Dan over here to talk yeah, he, about, he it. Will, talk about it? Would he actually talk bit. on mic, or is he going to yeah, be like, no, I don't want to no, say anything? Dude, once you get him started, he won't stop. Oh, really? worse. That's where I got it from. Oh, my God. Uh, hey, Dan? He's, he's talking to Maria right, All right now. Never mind. You tell me. So, but yeah, it was, um, you know, he, he's sort of a visionary. When we were looking at this space, it was uh, drop ceiling, so it was only eight-foot-high ceilings. And we were like, eh, we weren't really that impressed. But it had the, it had the right um, uh, floor space, where it was just a big, one big giant open room with the wet room kind of blocked away, which is perfect for us in terms of keeping the printing and the ceramic separate, because you can't really have mud in the gears of the presses. Um, but then when we, we looked online, we saw that there were two massive skylights in the, in the space that the previous owner had blocked out to conserve energy. So I think that was the selling point for him in terms of um, you know investment property or property investments investment property yeah whatever it's called um, and then you know and, and picking and that also being in Guttenberg as well knowing that like my mother grew up two blocks away um, and just the density of the town the um, it's like we could be the big fish in the little pond as opposed to like. You know, God forbid we tried to do this in like, you know, Brooklyn or somewhere in like Manhattan, we would be like a drop in the bucket in terms of getting funding from the county or from the town. Um, we're here, you know, I can I can text, uh, you know, Wayne the mayor, party on, he'll say party on Garth, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I say one more thing? Sure. Uh, depending on when this gets aired or wherever, uh, we have an open call right now, and that's for our fall 2019 and winter 2020 residency program. We award $1,200 stipend to the artist. Um, it's free to apply. You get the three-month residency, 24-7 access, uh, an exhibition at the end of the show. Um, you get meetings with art professionals. We get curators and collectors in here to critique your art like it was college time. You know, just sit down like, what, what's the meaning of this? All that stuff. Um, so yeah, that's just the opportunity that's out right now. Uh, I like that question. What's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of this? What, what does it mean? Hey, that'd be a good name for the Gutenberg Arts Podcast, wouldn't it? What's the meaning of this? I like that. I got to check and see if there's any with that name yet. All right, I'm going to turn this sucker off now. That was Matt Bartaloos, the director of Guttenberg Arts, and this is Aerial View on the HoundNYC.com. This show airs every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. It replays on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, and then it becomes a podcast wherever you get podcasts. You can call the program at 760-I-CALL-AV. That's 760-422-5528. And uh, if you go to the Facebook page for this program, you'll see information on Guttenberg Arts. The Facebook page for Aerial View is simple. It's facebook.com 
slash call aerial view. Right now, we have an interview with Charles Luce, who was in residence during the winter at Guttenberg Arts and whose work was featured in the Made Here exhibition. I'm here at Guttenberg Arts. We're actually in the ceramics studio, and I'm speaking with Charles Luce. And uh, Charles, we were here uh, back in the winter time, I believe, when the show had opened, show open that had some of your work in it? Seven months ago, yes. Seven Seven months ago, wow. Uh, So what is in this particular show of yours? uh, It's a continuation of uh, this pilgrimage project that I've been involved with, kind of my interest in kind of exploring the whole nation of uh, nature of what what it means to be on a pilgrimage. Uh, every culture uh, has something like that. Whether or not you're going to Graceland or to Mecca, it's all basically the same kind of process. Um, so, you, what pilgrimages have you been on? I've never been on a like a religious pilgrimage, but I have been on a cultural pilgrimage. For instance, going to Japan. Uh, or going to Europe or those kinds of like destinations. It's all about going to a destination often with certain expectations you have and I'm interested in the process uh, between points uh, which is often uh, more rewarding than even getting to the destination sometimes. It's kind of the journey, right? We know that there are religious pilgrimages, obviously, that people make, but these are more of... Uh, what I wanted to do here, uh, because of the diversity of materials here, is that to also over the, the two different sessions, I was lucky enough to have t- two consecutive sessions. I think I've used every uh, machine here, uh, as well as ceramics, so I wanted to explore as much as possible things that I can't often do in my own studio practice. What uh, does that consist of? Are you a commercial artist? Are you a fine artist? Uh, how did you become an artist? Uh, how do you earn your crust of bread, as they say? I can, came through the back door. I actually was pre-med and science major up to my senior year in college and uh, kind of switched over and did a kind of elaborate uh, independent study my senior year. Um, so I'm kind of basically self-taught. Uh, I use a lot of, I guess, similar scientific methods of, of creating visual models that uh, in science you often do that or any other kind of discipline that uh, you're trying to, to explain something and I try to do it uh, visually. Uh, I have been t- teaching, although I've now retired for three years, I've taught most of my life uh, as an adult, and that was my main kind of source of, of consistent income, which allowed me to have a pretty free then studio practice. And So you, you taught art or you taught something else? Yeah, I taught art, um, and I was lucky enough to have two really excellent gigs, one on the West Coast and one here uh, in uh, progressive schools, independent schools. Uh, my last uh, 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 gig was at uh, the St. Anne School, which is this really fun place in uh, Brooklyn Heights, and it's a preschool through high school. Uh, kind of oversaw the, their art program. So St. Anne's does the theatrical productions as well, uh, don't they? There, uh, to, is to, that connected to St. Anne's Warehouse, or is it a different? Uh, yes and no. Uh, so uh, St. Anne's School is next door to St. Anne's Church in Brooklyn Heights. And that whole theatrical performance element started in the church itself. Uh, And then, uh, gosh, I think they were there for, I don't know if it was for 20 years, but a long time. And they then, the diocese, for whatever reason, wanted them out. And so that's when they created their own space, the warehouse space. Uh, So we had no direct connection but we had a physical connection because we shared uh, uh, the church space uh, we we're independent of the church but we would use their main uh, floor uh, space of the church for our, all our graduation because we never had a we didn't have a big enough space uh, in the school itself to have that many people in one place from the work that I see here you're working in 2d and 3d as well so is there a preference for you do you uh, prefer making any particular kind of art you're you're making ceramics you're uh, making prints as well or do you like to go back and forth between those 
I, I do like a, an eclectic approach. It really depends on the pros, the project I'm working on. Uh, 2D is convenient, needless to say, very not an issue with storage. Um, I do love making things. Um, if I'm doing uh, an elaborate installation, I often will include three-dimensional work, uh, kind of many of my earlier pieces had a 2D element with a 3D element that kind of were combined um, and I kind of continued that. Um, I must admit that my stint at, at Guttenberg allowed me, uh, because of the ceramic thing, I just dove into it. I said, oh, what a great opportunity. Let me make some some new pieces. Mainly because of the studio that we're in now, you saw this studio and you thought I could really I could really do something here. Yes, I mean, I, can, I don't have a kill at home. I, do, I You know, I can do hand build work at home, but it, you know, what are you gonna do once the piece is done? Uh, so I just decided to, and it fit right into the, the theme. I, I, I basically did four major architectural pieces that uh, are reflective of these Han period, which is about 300 BC to 300 AD uh, Chinese architectural pagoda forms that were uh, uh, commissioned by the aristocracy, basically, and then they would be entombed uh, with the person being, being in, uh, you know, entombed. So they're elaborate urns, essentially. Is it fair to call elaborate urns? Is it fair to call them that? Oh, they were not. They didn't contain ashes. They would uh, be just part of like those. Uh, oh, they would be put in the tomb exactly, with the subject. Exactly. Ah, okay. Um, you, you mentioned home. Where is home for you, by the way? Uh, in Manhattan, on the west side, uh, or just down the street from the Port Authority. It's ah, can I do an impression of your landlord discovering you have a kiln in your apartment? Here's my impression. What do you got in there? What do you got a kiln in there? What is that? That's right. That's why. Right. Is that spot on? Yeah, we own the space, but it would still be an issue, undoubtedly. Yeah, well, okay. I'll, the fire department figuring out you have a kiln in your space. Uh, not exactly up to code, right? So it's nice that you have access to one here. Um, so what did you think when you heard about Guttenberg Arts? Did you ever think about Guttenberg, New Jersey prior to that? Not at all. I, I came here through a friend who had a residency. Uh, was it, uh, I guess it was two summers ago, maybe it's just, anyway, uh, and I came, she had her show at the end of her stint, and we came, and I literally came through the door, and my jaw dropped. I just could not believe that this existed within, you know, so close to home. And so It's I, probably three miles as the crow flies yeah, from the Upper West Side. So. It takes me 30 minutes by bus to, to get here, so it's super convenient. Uh, and so, yeah, I immediately uh, applied. And I was lucky enough to get in on the first round, so it was, it was sweet. Um, so what is next for you in terms of how you would like to continue pursuing what you're doing? Are you going to continue with the pilgrimage project? Do you have another project in mind, something you'd like to do here, for instance? Um, I, I, the project's been going on for about two years, and I kind of now have a good uh, amount of work, so I'm beginning to shop it around for uh, trying to have a, a space big enough to show the entire uh, kind of presentation. How many pieces are there in total? Oh gosh, uh, it really varies, but there's some very large uh, tapestry fabric pieces uh, as well as other objects and clothing and it's quite a, a, an elaborate narrative that I've created. Is it fair to call uh, it Asian influenced, all of it, or is yes. it? Is it? It is, my, I mean, since I can remember for some reason I've always been attracted to non-Western art forms, and so yes, it definitely has a spirit uh, from Asia. Uh, you you feel it probably in the kind of imagery that, that I use, but I, I try to not make it so specific so it can't be appreciated by people who might not be aware of Asian work, but uh, certainly the, the motivation behind the idea is more universal in terms of a pilgrimage. Does that raise any issues of uh, the phrase these days is cultural appropriation? I mean, I start thinking about all the things artists wouldn't be allowed to do or wouldn't be encouraged to do if there was someone standing over their shoulder saying, that's cultural appropriation. Can we even use such a phrase in the world of the arts? I mean, would that just completely put a stop to so many things that people want to do? 
I don't know how much culture, I mean, artists are renowned for appropriation of either forms or whatever, and then and then placing them within a different context. And I think that that's really what I'm doing. I mean, I take a huge license, even though, like the sculpture pieces, the Han uh, Dynasty pieces, uh, you can see the influence, but it's also they're quirky enough not to be, I'm not making models, ex, you know, replicating models. And I'm using them quite differently. Uh, and I, I, I think, if anything, I am embracing and uh, celebrating uh, the, the form and, and that culture to some extent. I really like your work. I'm trying to be impartial, but I really like your work. So where can folks see it online if they want to go and see what you're producing? Uh, although I haven't put the new work on, uh, you can see a bunch of work on my website, which is charlesluceart.com. That's L-U-C-E. Uh, art.com uh, and there's quite a, a, a range you know for the, over the last several decades anyway of work including installation work and uh, other other forms all right let's go rejoin the party what do you say excellent idea <laughs> thank you Listening to Aerial View on the HoundNYC.com, and this is Art Makes You Smart, where we focus in on a favorite local arts organization, namely Guttenberg Arts. Again, they're online at GuttenbergArts.org. We wrap things up here with an interview with Russ Spidovsky, one of the founders of Guttenberg Arts, and then after him, one of the artists who was in residence and who did a great deal to transform the physical space, Jeremy Coleman-Smith. And then I'll be back to say so long. Uh, so, how long have you been involved with uh, Guttenberg Arts? Uh, since the beginning. I'm one of the founders. You are a founder of this place. I am. So, according to the story we heard from Matt earlier, you guys were putting out Carrier Pigeon, and you decided we need a physical space. We need a place where people can come and do art. Is that? Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, also it, it kind of dropped on on our uh, kind of dropped into our laps as well. <laughs> Uh, because Matt's father is an architect that kind of sold sold his uh, architecture firm, and uh, but ended up buying this building, and just kind of asked us if we wanted to run it after after the fact. So there's a little. So Matt says it was a promise he made to his wife, Dan made to Sarah, that once I retire, I'll revive your ceramic studio. Does that yeah. sound about right? Yeah, so that that was ceramics wise, and then uh, I was I was really into printmaking, and Matt was kind of into it as well, and we were both into graphic design and stuff like that. So when the building came around, we just kind of had this conversation about making it a multidisciplinary space, um, and uh, just as my own experience as an artist, you know, it's really hard to make to find time to make artwork, and usually once you find the time to make it you realize that you're out of space and you don't have anywhere to put it or anywhere to make it so this was kind of that's the space and time thing and it all it all came together so what did you want people to be able to do here what types of printing what what were you rallying for what were you convincing Matt and what, what did you have to convince Matt of if you had to do any convincing so uh, we really just uh, I guess sculpture printmaking all, all forms of traditional printmaking which is like silkscreen and toglio etching uh, same thing um, woodcut uh, lithography we're trying to get some offset in here uh, letterpress um, things like that. So, and we also are d- kind of expanding to more digital things like risograph and uh, digital printing and things like that. And also kind of photo, photo printmaking techniques like photo etching and uh, solar plate and things like that. So, did you have any models to go by? Did any other print shops in the country that you worked at or enjoyed and wanted to replicate in some way? I came up with the Robert Blackburn printmaking workshop with uh, some of the people that started Carrier Pigeon with us as well. 
So that was a, a really kind of great model because I actually got a like a summer to work at Bob's shop when he was still alive and kind of see and, and he was kind of, you know, his shop got bought over by EFA eventually and he ended up dying. But when he was alive, he kind of kept this thing going and it was kind of like an anarchist effort on his part. You know, he was always like not paying his rent and sleeping on the presses and not charging people for rent to kind of work there and a lot of really great communities and work came out of the shop so it was really inspiring and then when they moved to EFA and I really kind of started working there I realized like how important it was and we kind of took all the things that we liked about Blackburn and other shops we saw traveling with Carrier Pigeon and kind of cut out all the stuff we didn't like and made Gutenberg art. So what were those two things? The stuff you liked would be what? Artist-centered and other uh, considerations and the stuff you didn't like would be what? Um, the things I liked was access to space and equipment and knowledgeable people and also, you know, like-minded like-minded people that, that you can kind of uh, work around and, and bounce ideas and kind of techniques uh, back and forth of what, what I didn't like is uh, kind of open door policies, which which sounds shitty, but it, but it also like with Gutenberg Arts, you kind of have to know what you're doing to work here or take a class in order to work here, and uh, you kind of you get vetted a little bit to make sure that that you're okay around people and things like that because some techniques t- tend to be more introverted and. You know, it's uh, to be a. You had encountered a lot of sociopaths otherwise in yeah, the print shop. Absolutely, like uh, I mean, there's you'll you'll hear stuff about community print shops all the time. There's like crazy people just rolling in there, making it hell for everybody, and nobody's willing to say or do anything about it. So it, it, it sounds like you were interested in community building right from the start. You you wanted this to be a community. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We want to build like a little Luxembourg out here. Definitely, I think it's a small enough town where we can where we can implement some big changes that hopefully eventually other towns will look at and implement as had well. Had you had occasion to ever come to Guttenberg before? Was it all new to you when you just, went and just, saw this building? I just came here when they got the building, honestly. After they got the building, so I've, I've I mean I've been to Fort Lee when we'd like pack uh, and Fairview when we'd like do packing things for nights on end, you know, with the magazine, but. No, this is my first time in Gutenberg. So five years on, how do you think it's going here? Uh, it's go, it's going well. You know, I th- I think it's going good. It could always always be better, always be worse. I guess I'm I feel really lucky that we have this amazing shop to to work in. You know, and uh, I guess everything that's not going well is pretty much my fault so I'll try to remedy it you know yeah that's what Matt was saying he was saying it's your fault everything is not going right so five years from now what would you like to see for this building I asked Matt the same question by the way we like more endangered species trophies on the wall uh, I don't know I, more flotsam I saw a deer head at the flea market today if I had known I would have bought it and brought it with me well, we're we're trying to get a an offset letter press here, uh, which is really cool. It's a stone to plate kind of uh, two bed press, which is going to allow us to make mono mono prints, like editions of mono prints, and also do kind of um, plate plate lithography and stuff like that. So, a little bit more turn of last century rather than like the 16th century stuff. Um, and uh, I'd love to build out the sculpture section some more. I'd love to bring in some kind of welding and, you know, um, ca- more casting and stuff like that into the backyard. Um, we also really want to start, like you said, community building. So we'd like to bring more film festivals here, uh, kind of just community events. We're talking about doing a, like a community dinner uh, once a month starting this summer where it's like a potluck thing. but. You know, on a Sunday night, everybody that lives around here can kind of come here and hang out and just uh, kind of make art more a part of the, you know, a part of their life. Because I, I feel like these days, it's uh, for most people, they can't afford the time to even think about it. And I think partially that's the artist's fault. So hopefully, try to remedy that. Well, how has this place changed you? I mean, do you find that you are different in any way in terms of you've you've become more of a teacher? You're helping people learn these techniques and, and guide them through this. So what has this place done for your evolution? Um, I think it, it kind of uh, made me appreciate people that aren't artists, 
more, I think. Um, just made me realize that, uh, you know, if you're trying to build a community, you can't have all of the same kind of person in it. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of becoming more and more important to include as many different, you know, minds as, as possible and just to kind of see how they look at everything and see how we can make what we do a part of what their lives and the reverse of that as well. So if you were running a compound, you would have to have specialists in different things, essentially. You would have to have people who can bring like their talents to it. Stuff. Yeah, what, whatever <laughs> whatever that might be. Do you have one of those on staff yet? Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy's a... <laughs> we call him Eagle Eye. <laughs> Old Eagle Eye. He's standing here, by the way. Jeremy, you want to spend a minute talking here for what this place means to you and what you've been able to accomplish here and how you feel about uh, Guttenberg Arts? Sure. Uh, I would have to say um, community is the strongest aspect of it Um, and and that kind of goes hand in hand with printmaking that that just working around other people is um, and it, it doesn't have to like Russ said it doesn't have to be the same type of person but just to be in proximity um, you know, sort of osmosis as, as far as whether it's a creativity vibe or just a, uh, a technique or just a, a different aesthetic, you know, that, that it's, uh, it's conducive to just growth. Have you been involved with other art centers and other community-based hives of art, uh, or is this something new for you? No. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've taught in college for quite a while, so you have... Um, you have the, those same types of things, but it's it's uh, there's you know it's uh, there's real there's like sort of peaks and valleys in a in a collegiate pr- uh, print shop you know where you where you're dealing with you know students that don't have a work ethic although you do have artists that don't necessarily have the best work eth- ethic as well <laughs> um, but I would say that. Uh, uh, but this was definitely my first experience of like sort of being a, a team member. So Russ was mentioning that too, but when you get somebody in here new, you want to know that they're here, they want to be here, they want to do work, they want to use utilize their time here wisely, and if they don't, they probably should go elsewhere? No. Um, you know, everyone's coming with a different skill set. Uh, they shouldn't come here thinking that uh, we'll do the work for you. Um, it's definitely a place to work, but it's it, we're not a service. Um, so you know, there's tidbits, there's uh, you know, you, can, you sort of gain some experience. But when it comes down to it, that the artists here are doing their own work. So you might you know you might come with a, a strength in ceramics and you'd like to dabble in printmaking, um, and so you'll learn a few things. But definitely. Uh, um, it, it's you know, sort of the it's it's a take take it upon yourself to sort of become comfortable enough to to make what you feel is your own work. How has this place changed what you've done or what you're doing now? Has it? Uh, yeah, I mean I've been here two and a half years now almost. Uh, I started as a resident and never left. Um, so I I help you know I have uh, good uh, you know sort of building skills and problem-solving skills uh, so we uh, we've done a lot of improvements while I've been here uh, you know continually trying to to make the shop better um, so you know there's been a lot of change and then having access to all of the equipment you know I'm not a ceramicist at all but I used used it at some point while I've, while I've been here um, I've learned you know just getting the press time and learning how to uh, to make the work have you eaten any of the vegetables out of the garden? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Because we're in the backyard. I should say it's a lovely space, too. We think about the building and the interior, but Russ has gone to some lengths here to cultivate the backyard a bit, to grow some stuff. Uh, what are you growing now? What's back there now? Dead stuff. And... Dead stuff and leaves. <laughs> That's it? There's nothing in there? No... black stuff, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty dead right now, but it's, it's just like uh, vegetables. You know, it's a vegetable garden. Uh, I, I think that's one of the selling points of this place, too, because during the spring and summer, it's nice to be outside and 
gather with people as well. Not a lot of art spaces have that. Yeah, no, the, even just the coming out for a cup of coffee when the weather uh, allows, it's, it's really great, you know, just for that little break. Um, and then, then becomes, uh, Russ becomes the uh, vegetable pusher. Uh, when harvest comes, there is uh, bounties and bounties of various veggies. So, you should eat lots of veggies. Yeah. Let's just go on record as saying that. That's not a bad. I think idea. I cut probably 300 jalapeno peppers <laughs> last summer and pickled them all. So, so you're gonna stick around here, by the way. Are you here for a while? Because last time we spoke, there was thoughts about you might be shoving off for other places. But is this place acting as a magnet? Do you think like I'll stay here as long as this place is here? Uh, I personally am not staying here, um, but this is definitely the the place I'll miss the most. From you know, I've been in the New York City area for 25 years, and the past two and a half years, is, it's uh, made a huge, huge uh, positive, you know, uh, influence in my life. Definitely. Well, we'll miss you. And give us your full name, by the way, for the record. Jeremy Coleman Smith. Jeremy Coleman Smith, and uh, where can folks find you online if they want to see your work or what you're doing? Uh, my website is uh, jeremycsmith.com, and my Instagram is at Jeremy Coleman Smith. Thanks for talking to me. Thank I appreciate you, it. That'll do it for me, Chris T., on this aerial view here on thehoundnyc.com. Thanks to Matt Bartolus, Charles Luce, Russ Spadovsky, and Jeremy Coleman-Smith for joining me. And again, if you want more information on Guttenberg Arts, you can go to guttenbergarts.org. This show will replay on Tuesday at 6 p.m. here on thehoundnyc.com, and then it becomes a podcast wherever you get podcast don't forget on sundays the hound howl from 3 to 5 p.m followed by crash in the party 5 to 7 p.m and then vintage hound shows otherwise and if you want more information on this particular show go to facebook.com slash call aerial view don't forget our phone number in palm springs is active all the time so if you want to call and leave a message 760 I call AV 760-422-5528. And just because we seem to have seven minutes left in the program, I'm going to dig up another vintage hoof and mouth performance. This one is from 2004. That's right, 15 years ago and features uh, me and Gaylord Fields on one of my all-time favorite Beatles numbers. And if you prefer not to listen, check out now. And uh, I will see you again next Friday with an all-new Aerial View. But he was very, very stoned when he said it. And when he recorded yeah, it. Yeah.
Let's hear it for Dennis O'Bell. You know, you know, you know my name. You know, you know, you know my name. You know, you know, you know my name. This is Eartha Kate again, back to remind you to take your belongings with you and to get a receipt from the driver. Have a perfect day. <laughs> 